Motown Rundown. We're back. It's it's March. Yes, oh, it is March. You best know month what? of the year. You know what? Sorry. Um, I forgot that February only has 28 days. People forget that. I always days at September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31. Except for February. We haven't had a leap year in a while. Every four, right? I think, but it feels like longer than that. Yeah, we're due for a leap of faith. We haven't had a leap of faith in a while. Is yeah. it true that they're getting rid of daylight savings time worldwide? I think there's like an actual thing. Am I the only one who doesn't hate daylight savings time? I, Collins, there's part of me that thinks it's kind of electric, like early in the winter when it gets like dark. I, I don't know. It, it drags a little bit as the winter goes on, but like December daylight savings, I love. I'm with you. It's, I don't give a shit. I, I just like, just get on the same page. I agree with that, Rabs. I really don't care. But my thing is with daylight savings, the spring forward, when you get the extra light, it is like fantastic. And it always lines up with March Madness, too. Yep. Always yep, it does. does. So it's always like you're watching Selection Sunday and you're like, I just, it's just a breath of fresh air. It's like, Mid-March is my favorite time of the year. I, yeah, it's just, you're watching you know, Selection Sunday, and then you see Michigan State gets a good draw. You go out for a little joyride in the Jeep around the neighborhood, and it's like it's 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 9 o'clock, and the sun's still going down. It's perfect. Who By the way, you, guys, I, who, have you – are you in? I'm fantasizing. Um, I think last Saturday is the most down I've ever been about a – not a meaningless game, but like a regular season like game oh, for yeah. – now, a non-Lions regular season game. By the way, Cody Clements hit his second home run of the spring training today, Rabs. For what team? On my the team? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Victor Reyes, I think, knocked a run in today, too. My uncle, Steven, sent me a video from spring training in Arizona. But so um, cool. I'm glad we gave up on those guys after having them for six months. Really, Well, Cody Clements that. is not good. I actually, Victor Reyes, I agree with. Um, Thank you. Uh, what was I going to say, though? I honestly, I can't remember other than a Lions game. Like, think Being of that like, affected by a. Are you talking MSU Iowa? Is that what you're? Yeah, talking? a regular yeah. season loss. Yeah, that was bad. I, I college that was worse too because I know that you're you're a big believer in that. Like the vibes with the stream are bad sometimes. I was streaming that game, and Dude. it was it was terrible. It, there is nothing worse, and I love this. I mean, what's it called? I, I mean, I. TV could text me out of the blue. I have a million different people who could text me out of the blue about a Michigan State game. It's which I, I love that. You know what I mean? I love like th- throwing it back and forth. But there's nothing worse than when someone's ahead of you and you get the aw shit. And I'm like, what? And then you like, or like, fuck yeah. You know what I, mean? I just hate it. It's like my least favorite thing about the whole streaming model. And I don't understand why they can't fix it. Like, am I crazy? Like, can we not get on the same page here, like YouTube TV and what? You know what I mean? It just bugs well, it's, me. It's also it's the it's the gap. It's not that it's just a little behind. It's that it's legitimately like twenty to thirty seconds behind, and there's a full like chance for someone to type. I out think it's like a minute behind, dude. To be yeah, honest, it might be. I'm I'm the same way, Collins. I had to put my phone on Do Not Disturb because every time every every ten seconds I'm getting a text that says Holy shit, Holy shit, Holy shit, and I don't know if it's good or bad. You know what I mean? I don't yeah, know. It's, like, I don't know if it's Peyton Sanford just hit another three, or if it's like Tyson just dunked on somebody. I have no idea. By the way, and the reason why I will say this, I know we usually t- I don't we haven't really talked about Michigan State basketball a ton on this podcast, 
this year. Are you wait, hold on, TV. Are you doing a white claw surge? No. Nope. It is a Jack <laughs> it's a Jack and Coca-Cola. Oh, is that any good? Um, first of all, don't judge me. Long day at school. Second of all, no. um <laughs> <laughs> long day at school. No, it is it is good. I'm trying them uh. for the first time, actually. It's like a they were doing this Jack Daniels and Cola thing, and then but it was like off-brand cola, and then they switched yeah. to the Coca-Cola, and they have the actual logo on the on the can, no free ads. It's very good. Yes, I like it. But I'm, I'm, I'm I, thought, I thought you had a white claw surge, and I was like, Trent, you need to go to prison. But um, yeah. <laughs> those did suck. Um, but seriously though, Michigan State probably played the best basketball I've seen them play since Cassius Winston, and then they throw it away in the worst possible way of all time. And now I just have zero belief in this. Like, I was fully last Saturday. If they were able to win that game, I was back in. I was like, this team can make a Final Four. Because that's how, like, I have not seen Michigan State's offense look like that. In, and the funny thing is they looked like that against Nebraska, too. And I know Iowa and Nebraska can't really score. I mean, they can't really guard anyone. But still, I this is, like, weirdly the best shooting team Michigan State's had, like, forever. Like, when you think of, like, that Cassius team, they were a good shooting team with McQuaid, Arns, obviously Cassius. Cassius, every time he was open, it felt like it was going in. But, like, I feel like Michigan State has, like, four or five guys who are, like, Hauser's not down, Walker is not down. Like, he's a sniper. And Aikens, last month, has been not down. And, like, I, I Malik Hall, if you leave him open, I feel confident he's an amazing. Like, they have a million guys on the okay. roster who can shoot. So, Malik, Hall, Malik Hall is fantastic as long as he doesn't put the ball on the floor. As soon yeah, as – he is a black hole as soon as he starts dribbling and, like, doing stuff. I, I get so pissed. But he's a great spot-up shooter. Like, actually, objectively great. It's kind of weird, though. It's like even – and people might disagree with me. Like, when Hogar is the worst 82% free throw shooter in America, like, I don't understand how it keeps going in. But for some reason, every time he gets like a top side three, I'm like, oh, that's good. I, I don't know how to describe it with him. It's it's he is a very frustrating player. I I, I am the biggest AJ Hodard fan. He he might have the worst body language I've ever seen out of a good player. Like he's good. It's not like Pierre Brooks like moping on the bench. Like Hodard is a good player and just like yells at other players when he does things wrong. It's great. He'll get beat back door and he's like. Maddie, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure it's your fault, bro. I don't know. I just that's that yeah, Philly. I, that's Philly. I, I and the problem is we can't run because we don't have any bids who can run the floor. Yeah, I know. I, I look the the key for this team, Collins, and I think you'll agree is yeah, let them fly because when they I think when they shoot 23s in a game, they're like 12. Walker is really good. Like yeah. he is really really good. He's got major Travis Trice senior year vibes going right now. If, and this team isn't as good as that team, but that team was a seven seed. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, honest, Trent, I think that's the thing that's really frustrating about this team. I think this team's pretty fucking talented. They have a million wings. They have good guards. They just have no bigs. And great the, guards. And, and the thing about it is Kohler and Sissoko, like, I will give Sissoko credit. He plays very hard. He's just, he is no, he's a zero on offense. Legit a zero. And he's kind of come around a little bit on defense. I actually think the last like two weeks. And the opposite is with Kohler. Like Kohler's a zero on defense, but he's a great offensive player. So I, I don't I'm very interested to see what happens in March because 
that gets to the time of year when they everyone just throws like, oh, Izzo hasn't been to a Sweet 16 in seven years and whatever. And, oh, you call him Mr. March. This isn't like 2005. Yeah, that's probably true. He's not like – but if you really go through all those times, other than the 2015 team, there's been no time he's really underachieved. Other, eh, 2017 too. Yeah. But like, you no, know what I'm saying? Like, most of the time he's supposed to lose, he's lost. Um, And – People also just say, oh, they haven't been there in seven years. They've been once in seven years. They they were going to the second weekend that year with Cassius. Like, they, I, I, they, there was no doubt in my mind. But um, I don't know. I really hope Michigan loses tonight, too. That would be nice. Yeah. Yep, I know. I would love if they miss. I really the- hope Michigan misses the tournament. I would really enjoy that. I think it's going to happen. They're, they're not even in. I, as I, as- if they win once this week, they're probably in. And by the way, I wouldn't want to see Michigan in the tournament. They're pretty good, actually. Like, I don't think they're bad, but I would just love to see them miss the tournament. Well, here's if you're a state fan and you're praying on their downfall, you just got to hope for a lot of bid stealers. That's what you got to hope for. I always pray on Michigan's downfall. People are like, why don't you root for them? I always pray on their downfall. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, that was talking MSU hoops. Yeah, Rebs, you had nothing to say there? What's going on? I mean, honestly. You got dialed in this year? I'm not really dialed in. No, I'm not going to pretend that I've watched a ton of Michigan State basketball. Historically, I do love watching MSU hoops. I love college basketball. I love it considerably more than watching the National Basketball Association. But I don't know, dude. Like, it's the Michigan, Michigan State basketball. I get psyched up every year, and then it's just the same song and dance with, like, I, there's that certain point in the year where everyone's down on Izzo and, like, this team's underachieving and they're not actually good. And then they have a couple really nice games, and you're like, this team could do something. So when the Big Ten tournament comes around, I'll be back in, and then we'll obviously roll into March Madness, and assuming that State makes the tournament, then I'll be all over it for sure. Well, they're in the people, tournament. Like well, people, people forget one of the best times I've ever had in my life let alone my college life, but Michigan State's final four run when they beat Duke in the Elite Eight. That it was, was legit the best four weeks ever. It was. It was It was absolutely unbelievable, followed by an absolute embarrassment against Texas Tech that was soul-crushing. And I do blame on myself because I had watched every single March Madness game for Michigan State at Reno's East. We got to Reno's East too late for the final four and had to go to Reno's West. And I, to this day, I wear that as that's the reason why we lost that game. So... I will um, say that that was like one of the only times I feel like Michigan State. I think they played Thursday, Saturday, the first weekend, but they played Friday almost every. They played the LS. The LSU game was like at seven o'clock on a Friday, yeah, and that might have been the best day of my life. Gabe Brown, that was the game. The Brown LSU, game. the Duke game was obviously a better night, but the day of that Friday, we played LSU. I think at like seven, and they absolutely murdered them. Oh, God! And it was nice out. Oh. That's the thing, Collins. That's what I think of when, like, you talk about daylight savings time. You get that extra, like, when spring hits and you get that extra daylight. It's like, yeah, you win a game like that and you walk outside. It's eight thirty and it's a crisp, like, fifty some degrees outside, and you and it, you, you, the you're just happy. All is well with the world. I will be honest, dude. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than March. Like your team making a run in March Madness. It is. And in and, and football, it's like a, a buildup, a whole season thing. It's just such an exciting month. Oh, I miss that. EL, miss that place. <laughs> Shout out EL. 
the best. I miss it. Hang on. The Wings play the Kraken tonight? Correct. Yeah. Not How are the Kraken good, by the way, Rebs? They are. Well, they are good. They've found a little bit of a gem. Not, I shouldn't say a gem because his save percentage is ass, but Martin Jones has been pretty good this year in net for them. Um, but that's, again, that's the way like they constructed this team to not be necessarily great out of the start. And they've kind of put some pieces together now. They're they're relatively deep and they're they're been tougher and tougher to play against. And they have a ton of points. Like they're not just, just like mediocre. Like they're good, good. They've just found they've just found a little bit of a spark, and they've had a good, very good year this year. So, I mean, I guess that's a good segue. That that was good, Trent. If that was a design play, that was brilliant by you. Well, I, I just got the Bally Sports Detroit notification, and I was like, I feel like I, I don't. For, for me, not being really a hockey guy, it's I forget the Kraken are a thing for one, and then I just forgot that the Wings are on. And it's like actually an important game. I don't know. Just figured I'd, yeah, sure. I'll say it was designed. It was good design to say, yeah. Just give yourself credit where credit's due. That was a good segue. Um, so today's episode of the Motown Rundown, we'll talk wings. We'll talk tigers. That's pretty much all we have. I mean, there's not anything like Lions related to cover until a little bit later. We'll talk about the draft. Um, the Pistons are, uh, are an embarrassment, so we won't go there. I beat but... the Chris Weber last night. It was awesome. That was nice. I saw I was there working that game. That was unbelievable. Really good, good coaching, great young talent. Just really and really pleased with the best GM in the city, according to Trent and Troy Weaver. I put a you will never live that down. That was insane. Well, <laughs> that was it about... might work out. To be honest, I I'm not like firing him out of the sun, but he did pay Marvin Badley thirteen million dollars for no reason. Yes, I, I, I made that comment. It was like verbal diarrhea. It just came out. And then <laughs> in the next two weeks that followed, he probably made some of the worst moves that I've ever agreed. By the way, RJ Hampton, who the hell is that? Why, why are we taking a flyer on him? He's, he, was I, a, he was a big high school guy. Oh, cool. Sweet. All right, Ravs, you can go, you can go ahead and talk about the wings. I don't care. Yeah, we'll talk about the Wings. Um, so as we're recording here on March 2nd, the trade deadline is tomorrow, Friday, March 3rd. My mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. Shout out. Um, I I want to say the deadline's at 3 p.m., 4 p.m., noon maybe, probably 3 p.m., not entirely sure, but somewhere around there. Um, the Red Wings have already started to make some moves. Um, we'll get into all of those. I guess there's a couple aspects that I want to touch on first. Um, a couple players were recently re-signed by the Red Wings. Um, I'll start off with the stuff that's not as exciting. Ole Mata comes back for two years um, on a $6 million deal, deal, so he'll make $3 million a year for the next two years. Um, I don't hate it. And the other signing, too, that I guess I'll rope in, Jake Wallman comes back, $3.4 million a year for three years. Good price. Um, I don't – yeah, I don't. I don't hate either of them. Um, you know, and especially with some moves that were made with Philip Ronick being traded, we'll, we'll break that down in a second, but, um, you know, just as just two guys that I think have proven themselves this year and, you know, you acquire Jake Wallman in that trade, uh, last season. Um, and, and the thing with the Red Wings defensive core is you have so many names that have tried to crack this lineup and those more fringe guys like your, I mean, Wallman was a uh, was on the in, on injured reserve to start the season, I believe. And between you know Hag and Lindstrom and Osterley, and you bring Mark Mark Pissick over, who hasn't played all year and won't play all year after recovering from a torn Achilles. So Jake Wallman's kind of stepped up a little bit this year. 
um, and has played a lot of time on that first pair with Mo Sider since they've dropped Sherrod off that off that pairing. And he's been good. I mean, he's not not a guy that you're you're leaning on to produce all all that much offensively. He's got 10 points in 41 games. Um, but I think he's been a, an incredibly steady defenseman for this team. And I don't don't necessarily buy that he's he's definitely not the guy that they're gonna try to pair up with Cider on that first pair when this team is really, really good. But defensive depth is important. And I think that the Wings have found two guys in Mata and Wallman that they like and they're comfortable with. And um, more than likely, you're not going to see Jordan Osterley after this year. You're not going to see Robert Hag. You're not going to see Mark Pissick. Um, so for guys that are going to play in your, you know, maybe Jake Wallman as a top, as a fringe top four guy, um, and Ole Mata that can play on your third pair. I mean, Ole Mata had eight points all of last season in 66 games. He's got 19 and 56. So um, is a guy whose career high in points was 29 dating back to the 17-18 season. Um, and, and he hadn't reached that mark again until the 13-14 or since the 13-14 season with Pittsburgh when he first broke in the league. Um, just a good a good puck mover. He's been pretty steady this year. Um, him and Hronik played pretty well together for the most part. I think they kind of broke that pairing up um, as they've been trying to shuffle more guys in and out of the lineup. So um, two guys that you're getting for cheap that um, you, you need pieces like that on your in your decor. So um, no harm, no foul there. The big news, which is polarizing for people in this city for God knows what reason, um, your captain has been locked up for eight more years. Dylan Larkin signs an eight-year, $70 million contract. Um, I, tremendous news, and I think if you are a Red Wings fan, whether you like Dylan Larkin or you hate him, and I really don't understand the camp that hates him, um, and I would go as far as to say that the cap, the, the the camp that does not care for Dylan Larkin, is just simply uneducated on the subject. And I don't really care to get into the to the ins and outs. The bottom line is this: last year he was a point per game player with sixty nine points in seventy one games. This year he's got 57 points in 59 games. He's the captain of your team. You can say whatever you want about Dylan Larkin, about he's young and he's just a kid and he doesn't possess the same moxie that Henrik Zetterberg and Nicholas Lindstrom and Steve Eiserman have, which what I would tell you, for that comparison to be made, the people that are in that camp of like, he just doesn't have what it takes to be the captain of the Red Wings, then who the fuck does? Who does? Like, are we really gonna are we really gonna hold Dylan Larkin accountable for all? He doesn't. He doesn't have what Steve Eiserman had. He doesn't have what Nicholas Lidstrom has. Go ahead, Collins. Revs, I think that is a very good point. Like, it's impossible to hold him that standard. And I I love the deal. I love the price they got him at. Yeah. Um, and I I I like that Eiser. The thing about it with Larkin, they. I do think he could have got more on the open market. So people acting like he raked them over the coals, I think he did take a hometown discount because I do think he could have at least got like nine and a half somewhere else, which isn't a big enough difference and maybe 10 if someone wanted to go crazy. Raps, I think the argument is, and I, I think there's not that many people that do hate Larkin. I think it's more the fact that people, and I've come around to this. I used to be the guy who's like, I don't think he could be a top center on a cup contending team is he's yet to get into the playoffs and he's yet to play any meaningful hockey in his career. So I think people are always going to knock him for that. And even if it's not his fault with the roster around him, you, you just kind of expect to play some meaningful hockey. And I think the last two years 
if you've actually paid attention to the wins, you realize he's been like not the whole team, but he had at some points he has carried this team. So I, I and now it's about getting more weapons around them. And it looked like they were maybe gonna make a little run. And you're, we're gonna talk about the other moves, but I, I like the move for the fact where I, I think it's a guy who obviously wants to be in this city, and he I think he has high expectations for himself. I think last year when he goes out and gets kicked out of that Tampa game, first year was actually a turning moment and kind of his like, just what was that the first year he was captain or is that year two? Might've been year two. I know what you're talking about. The game they got, they ended up losing. It was, they lost, but it, it, it was more like, we're kind of done fucking around here. And it kind of felt like early in his career. It's like, I get to play in my hometown. having a time of my life. I'm a great, I'm a great player, like whatever. Now it's time to like, I got my money. Let's go fucking win some games. And I think he's a guy who could be that. I think he could be a C for the Detroit Red Wings. Now it's about figuring out the other pieces. And they made a lot of interesting moves today. So yeah, I mean, my last my last thing on the whole Larkin subject is just that, you know, I, I understand that. I mean, to your point, Collins, of like, well, they haven't won any, like he hasn't won any big game. Again, hockey is is the team sport of all team sports. So to pin something like that on one guy, which I know you're not I understand that, but that's But then still. okay, so I would look at I would look at what has Connor McDavid done in his career in the postseason. He's made that he's and they made a conference finals, dude. He literally single handedly carried. That's a different subject. I'm not comparing Larkin to Connor McDavid. No, I I know, but I'm I'm saying if you're gonna if you're gonna hold if people want to hold Larkin to the standard and like the knock on him is that they haven't won anything with him. Well, I would for look a at while, Rabs, I, and I I think the last two years have been different. But for like his first when he first got the C, there was like a lot of times where like a lot of lapses in OT, and it just didn't really feel like the leadership was necessarily there, and it felt like they were holding off to give him the C. And I think that's all, all those questions have kind of been answered, but I feel, I still think there's the, the hold off on the group was we don't want to pay a guy $10 million who is not a generational player. Just, I don't think he's a generational player. Do you think he's a generational player? Rabs? No, he's definitely not. I wouldn't. He's a franchise him. cornerstone. I wouldn't call him. I wouldn't call him a superstar, but he is a star in the league. Like he's always, yeah. in the all, he's in the all-star games, but I'm just, my point being is that, I don't look at Dylan Larkin and like the knock on him to me should not be the fact that, Oh, what have they won with him as the captain? What is he like? Jack Eichel has never won shit. You want, you probably tell me that Jack Eichel's a better center than Dylan Larkin. Sure. Connor McDavid's never won anything. He plays with Leon Dreisaitl. Like there's just so many there's examples. A difference between not making the playoffs and winning a car. McDavid, we're not having a McDavid Larkin thing. We both know uh, McDavid's insane. I know, I know. I'm not comparing them, but I'm what I'm saying is, is there are look at like what has Austin Matthews done in his career? He's no, like, you're right. It, it's a hockey is unlike basketball. And I think like football sometimes because I think quarterbacks in football, I think it's fair to judge when sometimes you're sure. not that successful. I think hockey is probably number one sport. It's like. It matters what you have around you. It for matters sure, the fact sure. that Larkin has not had a good decor. I think once in his career, like yeah. they have not had a good top six. Goaltending's been bad pretty much yeah. all his whole career. So I, I I agree, and I'm on the same page. But I do. It's not like I don't think people hate him in the city. I think he's mostly 
he's just not beloved because they haven't won anything. And guess what? He will quickly become beloved if they start winning. It's just a fact. Yeah, well, the knock, the knock more so comes of like, okay, well, like we don't, no one views Dylan, not nobody, but we don't view Dylan Larkin as a number one center, which as I've said time and time again, he is, you look at how he grades out and I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know like all the ins and outs of these advanced saber metrics of, of play, but as someone that wa- has played the sport my whole life, coaches the sport and watches the games, he is more than competent in all three zones. He can play power play. He can play penalty kill. He can play in five-on-three situations. He can play in overtime three-on-three. You can play him in any situation that you want. And for a team that really has zero identity right now because they're not tough, They don't score a lot of goals. They don't defend well, and they're not particularly hard to play against. He does everything. Dylan Larkin's the guy. If there's one guy on the Red Wings that you expect to drop the gloves and fight someone, it's probably Dylan Larkin. If there's someone that's going to mix it up in front of the net and try to get someone jump start, like it's it's Dylan Larkin. Other other captains and there's there's every now and then, of course, you know you have your leaders and your captains that are are bred and meant to be those guys that are those big vocal leaders and they'll throw their weight around and and drop the mitts and protect their teammates. Most teams in the league, their captains are very well protected. Dylan Larkin has had to protect himself his entire career. And now that you've gotten rid of Tyler Bertuzzi, who's like, he's the toughest guy on the team. He really is. It was really funny because it's, by the way, the winds have done more talk on 97 one. I think this three month this month stretch than I think they did in the last like six years. For sure. Like that. And I was I get in the car after work one day and he's like, do the wings have a tough guy? I got in that conversation I'm like, oh here we go. <laughs> like they're like because they kind of got beat up a couple nights ago. Was it the lightning? That I mean were, against the Sens they were kind of mixing it up a bit the last it was the Sens, but it was like who are the who's the wind's tough guy? And hockey's not really played like that anymore. I do actually think there's still roles for guys like that in the league, but it was funny that that was a conversation on 97.1. It was such old school sports <laughs> talk radio. Well, it's it's definitely it's definitely valid, but like that's my point of like if you if you watch this team on a nightly basis, this team goes as Dylan Larkin goes. It's very simple. Like when he's on, he, he's on. They're scoring four goals. He's got two goals and a helper. Like when they're not playing well, it's because that line was shut down. And that's the other big part of this that I've talked about for years. Who does he play with? He plays with a kid that's 20 years old in Lucas Raymond that had a very nice year last year and has been banged up a, a good amount this season at 20 years old. And he plays with Tyler Bertuzzi, who hasn't been in, in the lineup very much this year and last year and the year before because of injuries and COVID and the protocols and all that shit. And now he's off of your team. And so for everyone that wants to look at that top line, like, of course, I agree with you. The Red Wings top line is not a is not a world beater top line in today's NHL. Lucas Raymond will get there with Dylan Larkin as his center. And the key is now trying to find someone else to play the opposing wing that can help generate offense. That that, that was not necessarily Tyler Bertuzzi. You'd like to see it be a guy like Jacob Verana, but of course you can't get him straight. Dominic Kubelik looked like that guy for a while this season. David Perron looked like that guy for a while this season. They both kind of cooled off. So trading, trading Dylan Larkin 
or letting him walk for nothing sets you back. Because then who's your number one center now? Pew Suter? Like, give me a fucking break. Like, what, what, what good would have trading Dylan Larkin or letting him walk for free have done for anyone? It sets you back years for what to get more draft picks, and that's what I'll what I'll bring into now of these two trades the Red Wings made. Now, look, this is a team when we talked on the podcast last week was legitimately right in the mix for a playoff spot. Like they were, they were in the wild card hunt for all intents and purposes. They, they really still are. They've got 64 points in 60 games. They're now deadlocked with Ottawa, dropping the two games that Ottawa did not hurt. You've got three less games played than Washington. They're two points ahead. So you're chasing teams that have 69 points and 70 points. It's not out of the realm of possibility for this team to make the playoffs. It's just not. They are going to have to play extremely well down the stretch with 22 games left to play, but it's very much on the table. None of these teams that are ahead of the Red Wings right now should scare anyone. Yes, the Islanders go out, they get Borho, they get Bo Horvat. Uh, Pittsburgh got Mikhail Grandlin recently too from Nashville, which like doesn't do a whole lot for me. But between Buffalo and Florida and Washington, like well, okay, Washington gets Rasmus Sandin, sure. Ottawa gets Jacob Chikrin. So the teams ahead of the Wings have done a little bit of buying at the deadline, but I still don't think any of those teams at the end of the day are like in a world class above the Red Wings by any stretch of the imagination. Now, obviously, with the moves that you just made. The writing's kind of on the wall of what Steve Eiserman thinks of this team at this point. So, you know, if you want to consider them sellers, fine, fair. They did trade two players today, um, or I guess between today and yesterday. So we'll talk about the first trade here. Um, Philip Ronick was traded to Vancouver. Uh, Detroit will receive a first-round pick in the 2023 NHL entry draft. That pick belongs to the New York Islanders. It is not the Vancouver Canucks pick. It would have been great if it was Vancouver's because that pick very well could have been the first overall pick in the draft this year. So the Wings get the first-round pick from New York for the New York Islanders in the 2023 draft. Uh, There is a condition that I'm not entirely sure what has to be met for that pick to move to 2024. They also get a second-round pick in the 2023 NHL draft. Uh, Vancouver will also be getting a fourth-round pick from Detroit in the 2023 draft um, as part of the Hironic deal. Now, Philip Ronick for me, has always been a very polarizing player in my eyes. And I think when Philip Ronick was drafted and, you know, you've read all, you read all these things about him of like, he's, you know, a, a solid two-way defender, I suppose. I think he lacks severely defensively um, a lot of poor decision-making. I don't think he's necessarily all that, competent with moving the puck and making decisions out of it in his own zone. So my criticism with Philip Ronick has always been his defensive play. And especially when you're not, when you're not overcoming your defensive deficiencies with your offense, it's somewhat of a recipe for disaster. He was drafted in 2016. Um, and now you're sitting here and, you know, he's, I think he's, was he 25 years old, 25 years old as of now. And he's having the best year of his career for sure. I mean, you know, last season, the 21, 22 season, 38 points in 78 games, he's got the same amount of points through 60 games thus far. So you cannot be understated how, how impressive he has been offensively now as someone who has been very critical of Philip Ronick, and you've kind of seen in the last handful of games, there's been a, a couple instances where he has not looked tremendous defensively. 
I think Vancouver, and I God bless the Vancouver Canucks because I have no idea what's going on. It's a team that's truly, truly trying to rebuild, giving away a first-round pick and a second-round pick in this upcoming draft. I don't understand it. I guess Vancouver looks at Philip Peronik as a right-shot defenseman who's still young, who I believe has a year or two left on his deal, if I'm not mistaken. And they probably look at Heronik as a guy that can play in their top four and be a steady top four defenseman for them for years to come. Fine. More power to you. I'm just telling you as a Red Wings fan that's been watching this guy since he's coming to the league and whatever, 17, 18, whatever year it was that he debuted with the Wings, we have been waiting as Wings fans to call Philip Peronik a mainstay top four defenseman for years. Maybe you turned a bit of a corner this year and you could feel more comfortable going, yes, this is a guy that can play in our top four and make a difference. I'm just here to tell you that I've seen enough of the full body of work that it's just not good enough for me. And, of course, on this team, he's a top four defenseman. And on, and on Vancouver, he'll be a top four defenseman. And, and maybe on several teams in the league he is. But I don't think he brings enough to the table for you to justify him being here for the next like – that, like that's a guy that I could see being here beyond, you know, his – beyond the age of 30, and we're all sitting here going, like, we can't fucking stand watching this guy. Why is he still on the team? So Vancouver comes calling. If they think that highly of Philip Perona because what they see, 38 points in 60 games, fine. Fair enough. I'll give it to you. For the Wings to get a first-round pick out of this and a second-round pick, and now I believe they have two first-round picks this year and four second-round picks this year, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, now we're talking. Now we're playing with some draft capital, and – and I don't think that the Red Wings are going to necessarily – I mean, of course, in the short term, like, yes, you'll miss having Philip Ronick as a guy that's a, a steady defenseman for you. But I think looking long term, knowing that, you know, you have Jake Wallman and Olimata that are signed through for the next couple of years, um, you're going to have to make some decisions with Hag and Lindstrom and, and Osterley, which I don't really see any of those guys coming back. But between that and knowing that Simon Edmondson is going to be coming up here soon, probably at the end of the season to play his last 10 games um, – you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's a tremendous loss. So um, had some good years here. I think we were really, as Red Wings fans, we're looking for more out of Philip Pronick, and you kind of got it this year. But as far as what he projects out to be long-term, I, I don't know if you're willing to take that risk on him and banking on him being a steady top-four defenseman, especially, you know, Steve Eiserman understands the importance of playing defensive hockey first, and I don't think Philip Pronick, like, that's just not his game. Of course, he's been very good offensively this year but but whatever I mean that's a good return for him um I don't know how fans in Vancouver feel I would just tell you that to give up a first and second in the same year for Philip Ronick is you know I, I I have to commend Steve Eiserman on the return um then the other move of course that we have to talk about today which I know you know Tyler Bertuzzi is one of those names that has meant a lot to people here in this city for a while um, but Tyler Bertuzzi is going to go to Boston, uh, which Boston was rumored to be interested in Bertuzzi last year as well. Um, the deal gets done this year. Detroit will retain 50% of the remaining salary on Bertuzzi's deal. In exchange for Bertuzzi, the Red Wings will receive a first-round pick in the 2024 draft and a fourth-round pick in the 2025 draft. So the fourth-round pick in 25, whatever. Um, but again, another first-round pick. And I don't necessarily know what the, what the trade value was for Tyler Bertuzzi, given the fact that he has been hurt a lot this year. He had the back issues. He's got, you know, I think he broke both of his hands this year. Um, and in the, the best part of Tyler Bertuzzi's game, and you talk about 
do the Red Wings have a tough guy? What's their identity? Whatever. I mean, that's what Tyler Bertuzzi provided for you. And I think that's why a lot of people were really gravitated towards him of a guy that, you know, plays with a little bit of sandpaper. Um, he's, he's tough to play against up and down the ice. I, I think he's really complimented that first line with Dylan Larkin well as a guy that can, you know, go in the corner and dig pucks and, 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 and not necessarily that he's like a, a power forward, but as a two way forward that can, you know, that can, can compete and, and add a little bit of edge to your first line and to your lineup. And as a guy that's not afraid to mix it up, like that's been his best asset. And, and when you hear people talk about Bertuzzi and it's always like, Oh, well, he's, you know, that's a guy that would be on a third line on any other team. And I don't know how necessarily true that is because Zach Cassian played with Connor McDavid for a while, who is not necessarily a tremendous player, but you know, you need guys around your better players and around your scoring threats that can can free them up and give them space and be hard to play against. And that's what Tyler Bertuzzi has been. The, the unfortunate reality is he has not been healthy this year. He wasn't all that healthy last year. Um, in the year before with the COVID year, Glass. he in, in nine games. And, you know, to his credit, like he's he's been able to produce points. He had, he had 62 points. Last season in 68 games, he's had 14 points in 29 games this year. I don't necessarily think he's been the same Tyler Bertuzzi that you're used to seeing, and I would probably chalk that up to the fact that he has broken his hand twice or each of his hands once this year. And, you know, he's I think he had back surgery in the offseason and has been trying to get healthy. And, you know, that's a guy that you have to re-sign after this year that I don't even know if he's interested in coming back. And I don't really feel like Steve Eiserman was jumping out of his chair to re-sign him. Clearly he wasn't. So who knows? Stranger things have happened. Maybe he comes back after this season and you re-sign him for a team-friendly deal if he really wants to be here. You heard Dylan Larkin talking about Bertuzzi in the press conference today and getting a little emotional because they've obviously been – been tight and you know Bertuzzi's a guy that's like been here through the shit like that he's he's a guy that sells jerseys and between him and Larkin and you know maybe you want to throw a Hronik into that mix of guys that have, have been through this rebuild together and have seen the worst of times and you know in a perfect world you probably like to see those guys be here when the team's good but that's just not the reality so um, you ship Bertuzzi off I think a lot of fans are going to miss him but at the same time like are you really that upset like like what do you think you're really losing in him? Like that you can't get out of a guy like, you know, you've had other guys step up. Michael Rasmussen stepped up and has been has been good on the wing this year. Joe Valeno out for the year. What'd you say? Rasmussen out for the year. Sucks. Oh, is he done for the year now? Well, that sucks. I mean, he had. A, I mean, I saw that he was on. He's IR. been. Yeah, he, he was my least favorite player coming into the year. He's been great. Yeah, I mean, he turned the corner significantly. So you have. I mean, you have other guys in the lineup that. You know, I don't know if I would want to say can play that role, but you know, it just is what it is. Like, it, like I, Tyler Bertuzzi, sure you can bring him back, but is that like a game-breaking type of guy that's going to get you over the hump? Probably not. You know, and so you get some you get some picks back for him, and now where we're sitting, and I think you know, of course, Steve Eiserman made his moves in the offseason. You sign Cop, you sign Sherat, you get some some fill-in pieces here and there, and. You know, I, I think Wings fans are still hungry to to make a big trade. And and I I look at like a, a Jacob Chikrin trade that was made between Arizona and Ottawa. That's a guy I thought the Wings could have gone after. They have plenty of draft capital. Um, Eric Carlson doesn't seem like he's going to be moving from San Jose this year, maybe in the summer. Do you want to take a chance on his contract? Anyone that's taking on that contract, San Jose is going to have to eat some of it. 
But, you know, at, at a certain point, like, you have all this draft capital, which is great. And truly, looking at the Red Wings minor league organization, and I know that it's it's you have to take into account the fact that not all these guys that are playing in the AHL right now are Steve Eiserman's guys. There's a lot of guys that have, you know, your Jared McIsaacs that have been here for a while. And, you know, there's, there's certain pieces that play in the AHL that you know are not coming up to be, like, the next studs in the NHL, like – the wings aren't looking at Taro Hirose of like, oh, give him a couple more years. He'll be ready to come up. It's just not, that's just not the case. So, you know, at a certain point, you do have to take care of, of drafting prospects. And with having the draft capital, if the Red Wings do, it gives them the opportunity to to draft some good players and, and, and hopefully move up the board a bit and, and grab some assets. But at the end of the day, you got to fill out the roster. And, and, and like, there's so many holes on this team of like, what is Pew Suter bringing into your lineup? What does Philip Zadina bring to your lineup? Like, are, are, are you know, you got to find prop. Like, Adam Ernie was called back up again today to, to, to fill in the deficiencies of the roster. Elmer Soderblom has been down for the majority of the season at this point. So, um, you know, at a certain point, you have to get players. And I would like to see Steve Eiserman use some of these picks that he's acquired to, you know, go ahead and start buying some, buying something, buying someone, you know, this, this is the first year of Derek Lalonde and this coaching staff is, is probably still trying to figure out who can play where and who they like where and what situation. So I think this off season will be pretty big in the conversations that the coaching staff has with Steve Eiserman and in the direction that they want to go. And I mean, look, this, this team was, was in the wild card hunt and still really is at this point in the season. They look a lot better on the ice. Of course, they're not, you know, they're competitive. They haven't been as consistent as you may have liked, but, you know, here's here's where they're at. So um, I think all in all so far, like a, a fine trade deadline, I get it. It, it sucks that, that maybe if the two games against Ottawa go a different way, they keep this team together a bit more. Um, but decisions have to be made. I would think by tomorrow, you know, I don't know what the offers would be for a guy like Pew Suter if you're willing to get rid of him, which I think you should be. Um, I could see Alex Nadelkovich getting moved as well, too, who's spent time in the AHL this year and deservedly so, but, you know, um, it is what it is. So the Wings are playing the Kraken right now. The puck just dropped, and we'll see We'll see what happens tomorrow, um, if anything. Um, and then, you know, from, from there, we'll, like, what is this team made of? Are they really going to throw the towel in and that's it? Or are they going to come together and try to finish out the season strong and see what they can do? They're not going to win a playoff series. It is what it is. Um, and that's that. That's all I have for wings. I don't know if you guys have anything to add. We can move on. Well, to what is our cap situation in the summer? They've got a ton of cap room. I think they've got like close to like 25 to 30 mil to spend. I think. You got to go. You're right, Rabs. It's a, it's been, it's time. Like all, all the contracts are kind of off. And people are going to be like, oh, you just spent on Larkin. That's not the same thing. Go out and make a splashy move or just improve your team. And it kind of felt like that's kind of what it felt like when the Tigers, and we can transition to the Tigers after this, but, and this it probably is going to be unsuccessful when the Tigers went out and got Erod and they got um, Javi, you're like, oh, we're finally spending. We're actually buying wins. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah, four or five wins. It feels like the wins haven't done that. Like when's the last splashy move they've made in free agency? Like Mike Green? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the thing. Like like the Cop and Sherratt signings to me, like those were, they were signings for the sake of signings, but 
you know, you had Ben Chirot playing with, with Mo Sider on your top pair this year. It really didn't work out all that well. And Andrew Kopp is a guy that you you signed to essentially be your second-line center who, like, that you'd like to see a bit more out of him. But, again, you have to think Andrew Kopp was playing in Winnipeg with some with the best forward group, one of the best forward groups in the league, like with, you know, your Kyle Connors and Mark Scheifele's. And it was a really strong team up front, and he played yeah. a part of that, too. But but even still, like, that's – Even when he was with the Rangers, there's a bunch of talent there, too. Yeah, like, he doesn't really have a – ton around him i feel like but i don't know man i mean i I hear what you're saying like they they need they need another superstar and i think when you sign dylan larkin for like eight seven five a year and you're not strapping yourselves like the maple leafs or the lightning who are gonna have to jumble the cap again next year like the maple leafs haven't done shit they're paying austin matthews a ton of money marner makes a ton of money Tavares makes a ton of money Nylander makes a ton of money. Morgan Riley makes a ton of money. Like they have so many guys, they're paying so much money and have gotten nothing done. And Steve Eiserman historically, like he's not paying Dylan Larkin eleven million, and he's not going to pay Lucas Raymond eleven million. And like it's just not going to happen. So ideally, you're saving some money here with a guy that I think the Red Wings believe, and I believe for what it's worth. You have a number one center. You drafted Lucas Raymond fourth overall, who should be a a fine first-line player in this league for many years to come. You just got to fill out the other side for Dylan Larkin, and you got to get a little bit deeper through the middle because Andrew Kopp, to me, isn't a second-line center right now. A great guy to have as your third-line center, and we can roll the balls out and see what happens, and you fill and and plug and play elsewhere. But – but yeah, I, I'd like to see either picks getting moved for a player this summer, um, or or making a splash in free agency with the money that you have. And I think that you'll see something because this team's getting closer and closer. They found a goalie in Billy Huso that they like and that the fans like, um, and they they made a step. They took a step this year. There's still a lot of hockey left to play, but that's where we're at. Yeah, you want, let's talk about another disappointing franchise. We can talk Tigers. Who what Trent? Hop back in here. What do you what do you where do you want to go with the Tigers talk today? Hey, Collins, Collins has to drive here. I'm just excited that, you know, every time it hits March, I just get like this. Rabs, I think it was you who said on Green and White Report one time, it's like you have every time that you play catch for the first time outside, it's just you you have like a a, a, a certain sensation that I won't repeat on the air here. Oh, great. Yeah, was, that's the feeling I got when I saw it. It's March 1st. Two things go through my head. You know, one is Tom is oh, let's roll the balls out with March Madness. And then two is the Tigers are back in like less than a month. So that's all. I mean, I'm just excited to hear what Collins has to say. Apparently there's stuff going on. I haven't been able to follow along a whole lot, but I do appreciate that Bally Sports Detroit has basically the whole spring training schedule on TV. So at some point I'll catch It'd be nice if baseball. YouTube TV had them. But yeah, you know, fuck that. Um, <laughs> fuckers. Um I can't wait for them. The I hope everyone who works at and everyone who I think works at that regional company, I hope that like they get retained by whoever buys like the Pistons rights and the Red Wings rights. But like Bally Sports is going under. Like, you guys haven't yeah, seen Yeah, yeah. They're filing for bankruptcy, right? How did that happen? Because they they're paying so much for these rights and I I it's just it's such an expensive business. And if you don't have like good teams in your market, it's hard to be profitable. Like I, 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 and I think they are profitable in most places, but when you have that much, it's just like, 
it needs to be spread out when you're a big media like the midwest like sports model has not really worked in the last like five to six years i guess but i don't know i hope someone or if bally switches whatever i hope everyone like keeps their job but please to god get on streaming get on streaming bally sports you fuckers um but um what was i gonna say about the tigers um i'm kind of i've kind of i think everyone is and Mr. Optimist about the Tigers, Ryan Collins. You could call me that. I've been that way the last three years. Um, I think people are too low on the Tigers this year. And I'm not saying, no, Rabs, they're not making the playoffs. But I heard, I was listening today. They're not going to lose 100 games. Like, people are acting like they're going to lose 100. I don't think people realize, like, I don't think you could have that much injuries in your pitching staff like they did last year if you tried. And Austin Meadows and Javi Baez at the beginning of the year. And uh, well, Javi Baez, I'm not even counting because I think he might be awful again this year. No, he's but gonna uh, he's like, bouncing back. Mago. Meadow, no, but Meadows, you're right. right um, TB. Um, I'm just saying, like they had so many. Like people are just like assuming the fact that Torkelson and Green are not going to improve. I just. This team is going to be better than they were last year. And the problem is it's not going to be enough to mean anything. And this team is stuck in limbo because all the moves Avila made and, and what they have coming down the pipeline is not that much in the field and position players. And that's their, their biggest need. But am I crazy for thinking the Tigers are going to be a little bit better than a 68 win team? Yeah, no, no, because no, I'm with you, but I want to hear Rabs' argument because Rabs is shaking. You think they're gonna be that bad, Rabs? I don't think they're gonna be that bad. I mean, I I am just skeptical. Like, I'm not a big AJ Hinch guy. I would like, know that. I, I'm 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 very curious. This and look, here's the here's the beauty of this that you guys get to. Here's the silver lining in all of this for you guys. I have hitched my wagon to my Victor Reyes's, Daz Cameron's. Akil Badu's like all that whole outfield group that I've hitched my wagon to, they got rid of pretty much everyone. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain about the lineups every day. Cause I'm not going to pretend to know like how good is Matt Veerling or whoever the fuck that guy is. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to play that game this year because I don't know who is supposed to play where who's playing third base this year. Kreidler Carpenter. Like, I don't know. Is there moving torque over? Who's catching? Who is Eric Haas? This like I have Jake no Rogers. I have no idea. So what I'm curious to see is the dynamic between Scott Harris and the dynamic between him and AJ Hinch. Are they on the same page? Because I have always felt in trying to give AJ Hinch the benefit of the doubt, I think that before every single game, Alavila used to stop AJ Hinch in the hallway wrap his hand around his neck, pin him up against the wall and go, you're playing Victor Reyes today in right field, and he's not playing for the next two weeks. That's what I feel like used to happen. So we'll see with the consistencies of the lineups and the matchups and whatever. I'm just telling you this. There's no talent on this team. So are you uh, – no, that's (laughs) fine if you think that. So you've given up on Torkelson and you've given up on Green. I, I think Riley Green's a fine player. That that I don't want to get mince words. But what what part of Spencer Torkelson's game are you excited to watch? I, I mean, we watched a lot last year. His uh, his 
plate approach is good. He, he can't a, hit fastballs. You got to hit the fastball. Rabs, I'm understanding that. He was also a rookie in Major League Baseball. Correct. And I, I'm not to say I, I'm, I'm not going to by the way, for the record, give up so, on him. Like, people forget also that he was sent down last year. It's not like he just, like, played through everything and we just, like, Well, he, they the sent him down way too late last year. That was I'm awesome. giving, sure, not, I guess I'm, I'm just bringing up. that up. I, I'm, not, ahead, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Obviously, that'd be foolish to do. What I'm just saying is my expectation after last year, after the way that I was hurt last year with how bad they were, my expectation for this team is zero. I don't believe no, that. That is more than fair, Rabs. I, I don't, and I'm not, I, I love the Tigers. I'm, I can't wait to watch them. And I would just hope that they get off to a good start and they're entertaining. I just don't, there, there's not much that I, I, I feel like, in Scott Harris's first year to two to three years, I don't think they have any idea what they're working with. I think if this is going to be a big feeling out year, I really do think Javi Baez is going to be better because he can't be worse than he was last year. But I think Scott Harris has a lot to figure out with this team of like, okay, who's going to be here and who's going to be like, they didn't, they didn't do anything in the off season. They nope. did nothing. They got rid of Other Brent than getting Soto. Gordon Lorenzen. And like those to me are not guys that put you over the edge. Like I'm just nope. I'm telling you. Well, you also I, you get Turnbull back as well. Yeah, but yeah, you but don't they're... have Mize. And is Scooble healthy? Is like Manning. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Scooble's not I mean, we probably won't see Scooble this year. Which if that's the case, that sucks. So so I mean for me. You know, like I, I, I just don't, I already, the, and if I, I can't wait to eat crow, I'd be happy to eat crow, but, but we're going to be sitting here in, in August and Matthew Boyd's going to have two wins with a four, five, eight ERA. And I'm like, like, what are, what, what do you want me to say? Cause he's a good locker room guy. You know, Miguel Cabrera is a first ballot hall of famer. What else do you want? Jonathan Scope. So no, that, my, my, my point is Rebs. I just. And I think you, I think you agree. I think you've taken my, um, not my take, kinda, to, into the fact that I think this team's gonna win playoff games or something. They're not, but like this team, I, I, I don't understand the complete like. Oh, it's, and you know what? I, I actually do understand it because they've sucked. They've been so bad for. Ever since 2014, I think it's fair for this fan base to have no faith in any of this roster. But I, I have people comparing us to like the Royals. I don't under like we have actual. I I I think we have major league talent on this roster for the most part. Like I and I don't know. I just think the Tigers are going to be. And by the way, if the Tigers get off to another start like they did last year in the last two years. The Hinch should not make it throughout the season. I was season. just going to say, Hinch will get fired by... by, uh, by he has to. Probably by the 4th of July if they start like that again. They can, And if that happens, that's coaching at that point. That's three different rosters and that shit happens. So, well, I don't know. The one thing about it is kind of funny too. Is I mean, I think this year's going to be more of the old school Tigers where our bullpen's not as good. Our bullpen was pretty good the last two years. <laughs> it's, a, it's a crying shame we couldn't do anything with it. We didn't. We did nothing with it. So it should be fun as we. Uh, I don't know. I'm just. I love baseball. I'm of course excited for this season. Uh, at, like every season, I think the pitch clock. I think is going to make baseball way better. 
I think people have problems with it, but like if you legit watch games in the nineties, this is how shit was played. Basically. No, seriously. It was like the the game was not that long. Oh, I know. I know. So I, I, I think with the bigger bases, it's going to make baseball a lot more exciting. I'm excited. So, well, I think just to close out tigers, I guess Rabs, unless you have any other thoughts, I think, the reason I agree with Collins more on this whole subject, and I completely get where both sides are coming from, and it's not like anyone who knows baseball or even has followed the Tigers a little bit can't or shouldn't be able to see both sides of this, given the fact they haven't done X since 2014. But the thing is, is you just do have Riley Green. You do have Spencer Torgelson. So you hope those guys take a step. You hope Javi Baez can't be any worse. And then by default, you're going to win – what I mean, seven, eight, nine, ten more games is that ridiculous to say? And, and well, the, the other thing I think people take for granted there's probably about 15 just immediate losses with injuries in our starting staff last year. Sure, sure. There was like a, a spot start slash, like, we have to throw Daniel Norris out. Know what I mean? Like, there was so Norris. He's still on the some, team. I, I still don't understand that, Ravs. Is he on our team still? Thing. I don't think he is in the roster. So, is he in the league? I'm gonna look that up. You guys keep going. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention too is I, and this isn't even really worth mentioning right now, but it's something to really watch this year's Akil Badu because what he's done is he's had two seasons, one phenomenal season, one terrible season. So you don't really know how to judge the guy. And of course there's the whole sophomore slump thing going on. So I, I would love to see him. In, him I would love Carson. to see him earn that spot every day in the outfield with Clemens and, or not, excuse me, not Clemens, Riley green. And then Austin Meadows. That would be awesome if you could nail down an outfield and, and, and you know, people like Rabs and can, can, we can, you know, wrap our arms around these guys and say, okay, these are like our three outfielders. And we have a real rotation there for the first time since 2000, what, 16, 17. And you've got the same three guys out there every day. That'd be really nice. So Akil Badu, that's probably my biggest thing to watch this year, but I'm, uh, that I'm forecasting way too much right now. But well, I also think that. I think Carpenter's going to get a lot of – I mean, we didn't talk about this before, like, the season starts. I don't want to go too in-depth. Carpenter's going hit. I, what? I think he can hit. No, I just said Carpenter's going to get a ton of run, too, and left. And Badu yeah. – I mean, Badu's going to have an opportunity again. I don't – I mean, I hated his at-bats last year. I just hated him. He looked so uncomfortable at the plate. Um, But, yeah, I just – I'm not saying this team's going to be a playoff contender. I'm not even going to say they're going to be – I just think they're not going to – like, people are acting like they're going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. I truly don't see that. I just don't see that. I hope not. Whatever. What, yeah. a month a month away from – close to a month away from uh, opening day, huh? I think less than that at this point. Yeah, it's like 20-some days. Yeah. 28 what? days. It's the 30th, I think, against the Rays, I believe. Well, yeah, they open not, on the not, road? Yeah, they're they're on the road for a week before they. Oh by the God. way, do they have an impossible start to their schedule? Oh, it's brutal. They might that not win the game until May. I will say this, by the way, whoever the fuck idea it is to have opening day on a Thursday and then have the Friday day off. Oh, dude, don't even get me started. It's it is the biggest fucking wool over the eyes, punching the dick. Of, of it is friend. the biggest fuck you to people who <laughs> yeah, have actual jobs. So bad. And the I fact know, is, dude. I took the Thursday off and I didn't take the Friday off. That Friday will be one of the worst days of my life. You're telling me, dude. It's bullshit. I fucked them. 
It's all Major League Baseball, too. It's not just the Tigers. Such bullshit. Red Wings are tied 1-1. Cool. Apparently, Adam Ernie dropped the mitts tonight. Love that. that. Welcome back. Welcome back. You definitely, That's all they were looking you, you for. You definitely first shift to say, I got to do something to stay up. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that. Okay, Trent, do you have a trifecta for us to end the show by chance? I, I do. I do. Um, this will be, I don't know, some some sort of out-of-the-ballpark questions here, no pun intended, but one. Okay, this first question was inspired because I went to visit some friends in Norwalk, Ohio this past oh. weekend. Where? <laughs> It's called Norwalk, Ooh. Ohio. It's about an it's about fifty minutes west of Cleveland. Okay, so okay. it's like it's, it's a like, suburb of it's a suburb of, of Cleveland. Sure, I I guess it'd be like Ann Arbor to Detroit. So it's like not, but it like you know sorta. Anyways, I, I'm I I can't help but think, and every time I drive down to Nashville, you got to do the four and a half hours through Indiana, and I just always wonder. I, first of all, I don't think this is up for debate at all. Michigan is the best state in the Midwest. If you had to live in a, if you had to pick a second Midwest state to live in, so like your Ohio's, your Indiana's, your Wisconsin's, your Minnesota's, like where would you live and why? Or Illinois, I guess they got Chicago. Well, the thing about it is like everyone outside of the thing that's weird about, I think I would say this about Michigan and Illinois, they kind of looked at us more like the Great Lakes than the Midwest. Because in the Midwest, I think they count like they count like Kansas. Yeah. The the Dakotas are in the Midwest technically, I believe. Yeah. So I if we're talking like Big Ten country, other states I would live in. I I look at that like type of way. Um living in Indianapolis would be pretty sweet. Indianapolis is a cool city. I've got a couple um, friends living there now. I, I agree. I think it's an Rural Indiana's, I mean, it's tough. It's not – Oh, I, I lived in Ohio for about eight months. Wasn't a fan. It might just be the fact that I lived in Toledo, and I think <laughs> most people would agree with that. But um, uh, I've never been to Minnesota. I'm going there next year when Michigan State plays them, so I'm excited for that. Um, I'll probably say Illinois, though. I mean, Illinois is a great state. I mean, Chicago, obviously, but there's a ton of places in Illinois that are not horrible. I mean, I think Michigan has the most variety. I think Michigan. No, for sure. That's why I say Michigan is hands down the best state in the Midwest. But like that's. I I don't know about that, but. Come on. It is. Fuck you. It is. Okay, Rebs, where would you live if you could? That is true. Everyone does vacation here in the summer in the Midwest. Well, I mean, you got the lakes. I would say, I would say, I would, uh, I would choose Illinois and specifically like Chicago. I think Chicago is an awesome city. The suburbs of Illinois are really nice too. Plus, you have Lake Michigan, so that's there. You go. There's your fix. I was about to say though, I was thinking about this, Rebs. Like Detroit is obviously not like a Chicago. Chicago is a massive, massive city. But does like Illinois and any like do they have like multiple like kind of hubs? Like, do they have a Grand Rapids in Illinois? You know what I mean, Rabs? Like a sec- um, I get what you're saying, like a secondary city. I feel like Michigan has like three or four of those. Yeah, yeah I don't know. And plus, I, I don't there's the UP that well. The UP is kind of a cheat code too, because like, yeah. Well, the UP is great. That's what I mean. Like Michigan is awesome. I, I don't, don't even like, count UP as Michigan. I'm gonna be honest. What is it then? It's their own state. <laughs> Fucking seven hours up there. 
I used to tell that to Hank. I'm like, you guys are fucking Minnesota, basically. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, Skull Vikes, man. I, I love Hank. I'm seeing Hank this weekend. Can't what wait. a fucking beast. I love that guy. Love Hank. I would say my my answer, if anyone cares, is Indianapolis, Indiana. Collins took it right out of my mouth. I love soul, that place. For the sole reason of college basketball. All right, number two. Uh, what is the this is this is a really I went to the drawing board for this one. So we've all been to a lot of sporting events. What is your number one concession at any sporting event? What is the item and where is the venue? Like what like Collins, I know you're a big minute made frozen lemonade guy at Comerica. Yeah, Park. it's so good. It's I would probably go with that. That's my favorite thing in the entire world. Other than getting like I mean the baseball oh, this is really tough. Back in the day at the palace, the palace had elite elite concessions like really elite concessions um this is really tough the because you, you got to think of them like detroit teams because when you think of concessions you think of your bread and butter or like spartan stadium stuff like that spartan stadium has rough concessions unless you're getting a melted moment <laughs> you do it they're rough they're not great i've had a chili dog at spartan stadium i'm proud to say um I love the walking tacos there, but yeah, dude. I was gonna tell you. I was just gonna say my. Well, I'll think about this more, but because you brought Spartan Stadium up, the melting moment ice cream sandwich is is elite. It's elite, dude. The walking tacos are fucking good, man. Especially when you're out there in the cold, like when it gets deep into the fall. Those walking tacos, I prefer it with the Doritos. And I'm not a big walking taco guy. Holy shit, are those good? So good. (laughs) But the thing about I, I don't know. This is, I think, the difference, and it depends on your experience. For college football games, I think most of the time when you, I, I mean, food concessions are not the big point of that thing. Like it's about like the hot chocolate. You know what I mean? Like do you do you got a nice like travel mug that you get if you get a hot chocolate? Do you get do you get a sweet little popcorn thing if you get pop? You know what I mean? I, it's. It's not like a Lions game or like I every time I go to a Lions game, I'm like I might need to get some chicken tenders because I'm hungry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I've never feel like it might be the fact because I'm hammered at most Michigan State games. Um <laughs> <laughs> just I I mean that's just how it goes. Um I'm trying to think. Trent, what is yours? I have no idea. Mine is, and this is this is gonna sound bizarre, but I I promise you it makes sense if you really think about it. I love the the Jermac peanuts at Lions games because I'm always those pounding. are very good. I'm always pounding beer. Peanuts and beer are an elite combination, and it gives you some substance to where you can still keep the buzz going, and you don't have to like eat. You know what I mean? You don't have to eat like a cheeseburger, some chicken tenders, and like you're done. It's like you just kind of have some peanuts and then put the bag away, and then you can open it up later. I don't know. I love those. Those are great. I love ballpark peanuts at a Tigers game with a beer. It's very, very elite. Um, God damn. Melting moments is a perfect answer. If that's your answer. I, it's not mine though, because I, I'm not like a, like an ice cream slash chocolate guy at a game. I honestly going to say Minute Maid frozen lemonade at a Tigers game. Yeah. Well, okay. And, and, and fair they are legit. My favorite things in the world, like in the sixth inning, getting a Minute Maid frozen lemonade. It, the thing about it now though, because when I go to Tiger's name, I usually get a couple beers. Beers and a frozen lemonade do not pair well. Yeah, well, I wouldn't guess so. But it I, just, it just, it, they just don't pair well. Well, to know. be fair, to be fair, that is, I mean, that's a totally acceptable answer because that was the inspiration for the question. Was I know that that's like your thing. All I right, let's. Those. We can round this out. Um, I I was thinking back to like two. I was, you know, when you randomly go through your camera roll every now and then. 
Yeah. And you just look at stuff. I was coming across all these videos and pictures from COVID. And I was remembering when I used to like, when, when like sports gambling was kind of new and like you had to gamble on the most obscure shit. What's the most obscure sport or like fight or anything that you've put money on and won? And you were like locked in. You know what I'm talking? For example, I think Brock has. I bet, I bet on the KBO during yeah, okay. COVID, Korean baseball. Um, a lot, actually. I bet on them, like, because they're on an ESPN every morning. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. And, and I, I'm sure they got pretty decent ratings for that, too. I'm going to be honest. I think, I mean, I've bet on a lot. I mean, just the teams I've bet on in college basketball and some of the things I've watched, like YouTube live streams with like 15 people in it, watching a Delaware State basketball game. There's been a couple of those. I wouldn't say any other than that, maybe like once in a while when I first started gambling, I maybe late night threw something on a Chinese horse race for fun, but nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Okay. All right. Collins, I know you and your buddies like to mix it up with that kind of stuff sometimes. Collins is a great friend group, by the way, for like sport, like that kind of. He that, does. That's he does. Yes. He does. A lot of we had a great time when you guys came over for the Indiana game. That was a great day. Yeah. And you it watched was. it outside. You watched you outside and you were the. You were the reason we won because you watched it through you the guys should, I, I We'll talk off air. We'll get something going. Unselfish of Collins. I yeah. did that for legit a month. <laughs> <laughs> In legit like 20 degree weather. Uh, it was miserable. You, you willed them into the tournament. That was Isaiah Thomas on a bum ankle. It was me and Aaron Henry. Me and Aaron Henry. Yeah. Rabs, do you have any obscure bets that you've placed in your life? Uh, you, I think there's close to the vest. I think there's been a couple times where I've come home late from the bar in East Lansing, and there was like tennis on that I would bet on. I, I had, have I, bet on tennis a lot, but I, I, had, like I got a kick. Though. I got a kick out of betting on uh, betting on tennis late in my it's fun, dude. Um, and watching tennis late night. Um, I think I've done a couple Korean baseball games. As of late, too, I got this guy that I follow as picks for like the Swedish hockey league overseas. Merles. I don't, really, I don't. Huh. Is it Merles? Yeah, Merles usually has good picks in like the overseas hockey, professional hockey league. So I have bet on a KHL game. I, I, that is something I have bet yeah, on. Yeah, I don't watch. Like, I don't watch them, but I'll follow the scores. But I like that. I do like to bet on the horse races too. There was one time I was at. I was at. The Barstool Sportsbook recently at Greektown, and there was just like a random horse race that was going on on the TV, and and I was like, oh, maybe I'll throw some money on some horses. And I wasn't actually watching the horse race that I bet on, but all of a sudden I see like a hundred bucks in my account. I'm like, holy shit! Wherever this horse is that I bet on, just won. I'm gonna be honest, guys. I don't gamble as much as I used to either, which is I don't either. I I don't I don't know what it is. I think I'd have I to still be... do. I mean, I still like if it's a college football Saturday or college basketball or even NFL, and I'll throw a little on something. But like, it was weird in college. It was like, especially during COVID, it was like I have nothing else to do. This is all I'm doing. Yeah, I I think I just need the right push, and I would could get back into it pretty easily. So yeah, that's true. March Madness. I will say I I have never really placed. I would say the most obscure bet I've ever placed was I bet on Billy football to beat Jose Canseco. I did too. Yeah, I did too. And that of course was easy money because everyone ended up being a winner there. The thing about obscure though, Trent, when you like, I honestly think some of the college basketball bets I've made are like borderline. Like, I should be put in prison. 
No, I believe you. I believe you because right now Brock and I are doing the thing where you bet on every single conference tournament game. That's been fun. I legit, I'm not kidding. I bet on Oakland basketball, I think, during the COVID year every single week. Collins, do you like Greg Campy? I mean, I have a, it's a, we have a checkered past. Um, (laughs) Just I love Oakland basketball. Like, I love it. I grew up like legit five minutes away from O Arena. And those games are some of the funnest games to go to. They just should be wait. They should have made the tournament two or three times in the last ten years, and they haven't. He's yeah, had like a ton K of talent. Kay Felder. Yeah, they've had a ton of talent, and they've just wasted it. It's also bullshit that they've gone to this soft two-three zone, and they just are the worst defensive team in America. They want to play like run and gun. When I'm like, I don't know. I, I have a lot of thoughts on Oakland basketball. I could do an Oakland basketball podcast if I wanted to. Well, they also like consistently play like six six guys, don't they? Yeah, also, it's crazy. And they used to not do that. I don't know. Can't be they I don't know. It grinds my gears. They should be way better. OU is like a, a not a sleeping giant, but they should be a really good mid-major team because that is a perfect place to attract transfers because it's a super nice city. Like you live in a nice town. There's nice things everywhere. They have it's a really new college and stuff. And it's actually like a decent college. So it makes sense for them to be a decent mid-major. And they've just kind of wasted it the last like 10 years. All right. Well, hey, plus six and a half tonight playing Northern Kentucky. Book I know. I, I'm. This is a very important game for Campy. Very important game. All right. That's all I got. Well, that's all I got. And that's all for us today on the Motown Rundown. Thank you for tuning in. We love you guys very much. We're on social media. If you would like to join the conversation at Motown underscore Rundown on Twitter, we are also on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. As of now, we are exclusively on Spotify. We will soon, maybe soon, be back on Apple Podcasts. I don't know. I'm not really sure how it works. Always soon. We will always soon be back. We will always soon be on Apple Podcasts. Um, But thank you guys for listening. We love you very much. For Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I'm Ryan Rabinowitz. We'll see you guys next time.